This is True Crime Psychology and Personality, where we discuss the pathology behind some of the most horrific crimes and those who committed them from a scientifically informed perspective. I'm Dr. Todd Grande. I have a PhD in counselor education and supervision, and I'm a licensed professional counselor of mental health. Dr. Todd Grande, that's my YouTube channel. Today's question is, can I analyze the case of Trey Jenko? First, I'll look at the background of this case, including the timeline of the crime, and offer my analysis. Trey Jenko and his mother moved from California to Hillsborough, Ohio in 2018. Trey identified as an incel, which stands for involuntary celibate. This term refers to a person, almost always a man, who is unable to find a woman who will have sex with him. Trey maintained multiple profiles on a website where many incels posted. He was quite active making posts. Trey sometimes referred to the self-identified incel Elliot Roger, who on May 23, 2014, murdered six people and injured 14 others in a mass shooting in California. For example, one time, Trey posted that he sprayed women with a water gun filled with orange juice, which is something that Elliot Roger had done. Trey did this on Elliot Rogers' birthday and felt spiritually connected to him. In January of 2019, Trey purchased a number of items, including a bulletproof vest, a knife, a skull face mask, tactical gloves, and a hoodie bearing the word revenge. The next month, he purchased a rifle. In May 2019, he purchased magazines for a Glock 17 semi-automatic pistol. A few months later, Trey wrote a note where he referenced getting a kill count of 3,000 and made a reference to May 23, 2020, which was exactly six years after Elliot Roger perpetrated his attack in California. On August 3, 2019, Trey posted a manifesto he titled A Hideous Symphony. In this document, he talked about preparing to go into the army. He suggested that he was training to accomplish a goal of murdering women. He said that he would slaughter out of hatred, jealousy, and revenge. He would take away the power of life that they withheld from him. Trey referred to death as the great equalizer. That same day, Trey searched online for sororities at a university in Ohio. Trey made other searches that month as well, including Elliot Roger, How Many Days Until May 23, Homemade Flashbang, and difference between full auto and semi-auto. Trey entered into the Army and attended basic training, but was discharged in December of 2019. He returned to Ohio in January of 2020. Trey created a document on his computer, which he titled Isolated. In the document, he wrote, If you're reading this, I've done something horrible. He went on to congratulate the reader for exploring such a dark topic. He signed the document, your hopeful friend, and murderer. Sometime around January 15, 2020, Trey conducted surveillance at that university in Ohio, which he had searched four months earlier. That same day, he searched terms online like planning a shooting crime and when does preparing for a crime become an attempt. Sometime around March 11, 2020, Trey searched for police scanner codes. The next day, March 12, the police responded to the house that Trey shared with his mother after his mother called 911. She indicated 
that they had been in an argument when Trey started to, quote, rage out, unquote. He went into his bedroom, and she could hear him chambering around in a firearm. Trey's mother told the operator that his temper had been getting worse. Trey was taken into custody. In the trunk of his vehicle, the police found a rifle with a bump stock attached to it. In a heating vent in his room, they found a 9mm semi-automatic pistol. The serial number had been removed. Federal authorities became involved in the investigation. Trey was charged with attempt to commit a hate crime and unlawful possession of a machine gun. The machine gun charge was because the ATF tested Trey's weapons and found that the pistol had been modified so it would fire two rounds with a single pull of the trigger. On October 11, 2022, Trey pleaded guilty to attempting to commit a hate crime. He is facing up to life in prison. You might be surprised to know that not all serial killers are straight cisgender white men, and the victims of true crime are not a monolith either. She's Wendy and I'm Beth, and together we host Fruit Loop Serial Killers of Color, a true crime podcast. Together we take deep dives into the true crime stories about marginalized and minoritized perps and victims that often go untold. We also provide the context and nuance that these stories deserve. At Fruit Loops, we're serving up true crime with a side of history, society, culture, and some fun. Listen to Fruit Loop Serial Killers of Color on Spotify, Google Play, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Ohio is a land of mystery. From missing shipwrecks and lost treasure beneath her surface to strange phenomenon slicing through her skies. From myths that have evolved around historic events and people to the unsolved murders and disappearances that keep her communities wondering what happened. Find Ohio Mysteries on your favorite podcast app and let's explore the inexplicable. OhioMysteries.com Now moving to my analysis. Here are my thoughts on a few areas that stood out to me in this case. Item number one. It doesn't appear as though Trey really understood the severity of the crime that he was committing by planning the shooting. For example, on the day that Trey was arrested, he gave the police permission to search his vehicle and his bedroom. Trey must have realized what they would find and how that wouldn't look too good for him. Maybe he believed that they wouldn't find the pistol because he placed it in a vent where the rifle was sitting right in his trunk. There was no way the police were going to miss that. Trey's mother was shocked when the police found the rifle in the trunk of Trey's car. Trey responded to his mother's concern by acting like having the gun was no big deal. Item number two, it appears as though Trey's behavior deteriorated in a way that his mother noticed. Trey's mother said that over the last several months, his behavior was out of control, erratic, and not like him. She was concerned about what he was up to. Ever since he was discharged from the military, he was a very different person who was agitated and doing things that were out of character. On one occasion, he traveled to Greece for 10 days, despite having no reason to go. Like he didn't know anybody there. He didn't tell his mother why he went. At one point, Trey's mother discovered a firearm in her vehicle. When she asked Trey about it, he told her it was none of her business and not to worry about it. Item number three. Through his posts on a website popular with incels, 
Trey made it seem as though he was going into the military to receive special training so he could more effectively kill women. In reality, his mother forced him to enlist because he wasn't working or doing anything with his life. Trey didn't have a job or any direction, and his mother thought that would give him a sense of purpose. I guess Trey didn't think it was cool to tell people that he joined the army because his mother forced him to. He believed it was more glamorous to be thought of as a killer in training. I find it curious that Trey's mother is also the one who put him in prison. I'm sure Trey will tell his fellow inmates that he was sentenced to prison for fighting off hundreds of heavily armed federal agents in a standoff that lasted for weeks. Item number four. In looking at the statement released by the government about this case, one is left with the impression that highly trained government agents uncovered this particular mass shooting plan using their incredible investigative skills. From what I can tell, it appears as though the plot was only discovered because Trey's mother called 911 due to his erratic behavior. I don't know if Trey would have followed through with this plan or not, but he was far from a master criminal. He planned to kill 3,000 women to get revenge for his lack of romantic prospects, but couldn't even make it past his mother calling the local police. Item number five, why are some men unable to find romantic partners? Throughout human history, the inability to obtain sex is a condition which has been experienced by a number of men and women, although it more frequently affects men. Parental investment theory argues that women have to invest more in parenting than men to achieve successful reproduction. This means that having sex with low-quality mates is costlier for women. The theory argues that women are motivated to be more selective, which means that there will always be a number of men who have restricted or no opportunities for sex with women. It just comes down to math. From the man's perspective, this creates something referred to as unwanted celibacy. Research has repeatedly shown that men have stronger sexual desire than women, and the desire is an excess of their actual sexual behavior. So unwanted celibacy is something that men would really notice. They consider it to have a major impact on their lives. Unwanted celibacy in men has been associated with discontentment. For example, it can lead to feelings of sadness, frustration, anger, and dissatisfaction. Item number six, it has been theorized that unwanted celibacy contributes to men having negative attitudes toward women. This is similar to research findings which show how men who are rejected sometimes develop acrimonious feelings toward women. When a man is repeatedly rejected, he may try to explain the rejections by assigning negative characteristics to the entire group of people who are rejecting him. It's no longer about individual interactions which did not result in sex. Rather, he makes it about some larger problem. It's some type of problem with society or with an entire gender. The man's unwanted celibacy may exist because of physical or mental factors. It may be the result of personality characteristics or any number of other problems. But the man decides to blame women for the unwanted celibacy. This is a way for him to shift responsibility away from himself. Item number seven, if unwanted celibacy leads to hostile attitudes toward women, how powerful is this association? Put another way, is unwanted celibacy really a strong predictor of the hostility? To answer this question, we have to look at the contribution of personality. 
We know, for instance, that certain scores on the five-factor personality profile are associated with unwanted celibacy, specifically low extroversion and high neuroticism. Hostile attitudes toward women are connected with low openness to experience and low agreeableness. So we see that different personality traits are connected to each construct. This makes it seem as though unwanted celibacy is associated with a hostile attitude toward women, even if personality is factored out. That is, even if one statistically controls for the effect of personality. Research findings indicate that this is true. Unwanted celibacy is associated with a hostile attitude toward women, even when controlling for personality. The effect size is somewhere between 18 and 30%, which means that 18 to 30% of hostile attitudes toward women can be explained by unwanted celibacy. Here's another way to think about this statistic. Sometimes people look at men who have negative attitudes of women and think that the men must feel that way because they don't have access to sex. Well, that's 18 to 30% true. Effect size is similar to other known contributors to misogynistic attitudes, like one's orientation towards social dominance, right-wing authoritarianism, and personality. Item number eight, if unwanted celibacy contributes to hostile attitudes toward women, does it also explain the violence similar to the plan we see in the case of Trajenko? According to research, unwanted celibacy is not associated with violence or intent to commit violence. This tells us that when incels become violent or plan to commit violence, additional factors must be involved. Simply being unable to access a romantic partner or sex does not explain the violence. Perhaps the unwanted celibacy contributes to men getting online and trying to learn more about what's going on. By doing this, they are introduced to violent ideas, almost like they become radicalized. Maybe some incels would have been violent regardless of their incel status. The unwanted celibacy simply gives them an excuse to act on the tendencies which they already possessed. Now moving to my final thoughts. Unwanted celibacy is a reality for millions of men. It leads to discontentment for many, and for some, misery. Some of the factors that contribute to this condition are unavoidable, but others can be improved, like having social skills or having a productive career. Perhaps incels who find themselves drawn to violence should consider personal improvement instead. Hurting people is never the answer. Plus, personal improvement is associated with a lot less time in prison. This has been True Crime Psychology and Personality from Ars Longa Media. This content is for educational and entertainment purposes only. Ars Longa, Vita Brevis. Three, four hours ago, I found out the person that I'd been dating and seeing for the last six months as a con man. That is my sister, Emma. Andrew Tonks's lies had been so convincing, she'd invested $300,000 with him. However, the tables were about to turn on Andrew. What he didn't know was that Emma had discovered his real identity. But to get any chance of justice, Emma had to act like it was business as usual. Coming up in this series, and that's when murder 
all this stuff goes through my mind. I'm really, really scared. I'm assuming Sarah has watched too much Netflix and figures I've been defrauding you. Couldn't be further from the truth. That's what this was, a real life story that seems so unbelievable, but it was actually true. A true story that all starts with one simple swipe to the right. I'm Sarah Ferris. And I'm Emma Ferris, and this is my story, Conning the Con.